Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And we have a badass guest with us today. We do. But of course, before we introduce our badass guest, if you're loving the Spa Strong Podcast, then subscribe and leave us a review. We're now on Spotify. Woo woo. And seven other things. Yeah, like every yeah. platform. So <laughs> wherever you are cho- choosing to enjoy the Spa Strong Podcast, subscribe, leave us a review, tell us why you're loving the podcast. Um, because that information, those reviews will help us get higher rankings so that we can get discovered by even more estheticians and we can spread the word of Spa Strong badassery to all of you. Okay, let's dive in. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Cherokee Jackson. Cherokee is a very, very soon-to-be licensed esthetician based in Los Angeles. You may also know her as the Cherry Dollface. She is an entrepreneur and business guru and a vintage enthusiast. She does vintage makeup and hair tutorials and owns an online vintage store. Hi, Cherokee. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We're so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, we've had our eye on you for a little while, not going to lie. And... Um, you know, one of the pros of quarantine is that everybody has time to do podcasts now. So yeah. <laughs> I figured we'd snag you while you were available. Um, but I personally, well, I'm personally excited to talk to you because in college, I majored in theater art studies with an emphasis in makeup and costume design. And so I love all the vintage vibe that you have going on. I love looking at your Instagram and your victory rolls and all of your like makeup tutorials and hair tutorials and everything like that. It brings me so much joy and nostalgia from my college days. And so I'm just excited to be able to talk to you. Yay, I love that. (laughs) So um, tell us a little bit about your story, um, how you became the cherry doll face vintage babe and... um, What's going on with you becoming an esthetician and everything like that? Um, so Cherry Doll Face started in 2004. I was just kind of doing my own little vintage life. And I was at a car show. A photographer snapped a picture of me. Um, and it ended up on the cover of a magazine. And my email at the time was Cherry Doll Face at Hotmail. And so they just published me as Cherry Doll Face. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess that's my like cute pinup name now. And then it was like when pinup like wasn't really a thing yet. I mean, even social media was just starting. So, and the girls that were doing pinup were just very traditional, like no tattoos, no colored hair, nothing sort of out of the ordinary. So when I came on the scene, I had bright red hair and a bunch of tattoos So I really stood out in that world. And then I started having um, more magazines want to publish me and companies wanted to work with me. So then I started MySpace. I was one of those MySpace people Um, where where I really started my following. And I just got really lucky because I was kind of ahead of the curve. And then in 2011, I started my YouTube channel and I was the first person really doing vintage on YouTube. So again, I got really lucky being ahead of the curve when you search vintage hair or makeup. Um, now there's a lot, but back then I was like the only thing you could find. So a lot of just like everyday ladies that were going to like a great Gatsby party or like you that were like costume designers or makeup artists or hair artists that wanted vintage styles, they were finding me. So my early videos have millions of views. Um, and that kind of, that's where Cherry Dolphus was really born was on YouTube. And then from there, um, I started teaching hair and makeup classes. I started traveling the world doing hair and makeup for pinup photo shoots. It, it has been my full-time career for the last seven years, but because of that, it's travel. So I'm gone six to nine months of the year. 
and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm, oh, I'm going to be 38 in two weeks. It's horrible and scary. <laughs> but I, you know, it's exhausting touring all the time. And I've been with my boyfriend for a few years and we want to buy a house and, you know, do that boring uh, suburban thing, I guess. So I'm just really over the travel. And so I was trying to figure out what was the next stage in my life. I went to business school. I have a business degree. So it's always kind of like thinking of the next thing. And I have a friend that is an esthetician. She's my esthetician. She's actually how I found you guys. She follows you guys and she reposted something. And I was like, Ooh, who are these interesting people? So, um, she suggested maybe her and I doing something together, but I needed a license. So I kind of quit my touring last fall and I finished school and was just a few days away from my license. And then the world went on lockdown. So I would be licensed right now, but here we are. So that's, that was my journey. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have lots of questions. I got a question too, but I don't, I want to go in. What order are you you going in? You go first. You're fine. Cool. Um, when you went, when you would go touring, would it primarily be photo shoots? So usually when I tour, so if I tour domestically, I'll just do a weekend. So I'll do a class or a shoot on Saturday and then the opposite on the Sunday. So I, my class is just a three hour vintage hair and makeup class. I do two hairstyles, a full face of makeup. And then the shoots, we usually book six girls and then I do their hair and makeup and then I book a photographer in each city. So it's a different photographer every time. So usually my stops are two days, but when I go international, I'll be gone for three or four weeks at a time because obviously I'm not going to fly to France and then home and Germany and then home. So yeah, the the international ones are the ones that are really long. Okay. So how did you start doing these touring photo shoots and traveling and everything like that? Did people just start reaching out to you in other areas? Like, Hey, can you come out here and teach? Or did you start promoting that idea first? Actually, uh, it was before I had even touched another human being. I was only doing YouTube tutorials and a local makeup school, um, asked me to come teach a pinup makeup class and they offered to pay me like a good little chunk of money. So I was like, yes, I can for sure do that. And then I was like, crap, I have two weeks to figure out how to do makeup on another human. So I enlisted every girlfriend I had and learned how to do liquid liner on another human, which is not easy. Um, and then after that, because people saw that I had done a class, they're like, oh, you can teach classes. So then I did a local hair and makeup class just on my own. And then um, a couple friends, we did just like a little West Coast road trip and it was amazing. And then I started having people like come to Detroit and come to Chicago. And so then I was like, this is something I could do. So it started, it was like a slow building momentum, but once it happened, it was like crazy. That's so awesome. I love this so much. Okay. So um, let me ask you, so in the when you were talking about the early days of when Cherry Doll Face started. Um, you were saying that, that you looked so different from the other vintage enthusiasts out there. And so do you feel like it was the fact that you had tattoos, that you had colorful hair, that that's what drew more attention to you? Like being that unique style within the vintage theme? Yeah, I think back then, especially, I mean, now you see, you know, 19 year old girls with face tattoos, but back then, being a tattooed girl, especially I'm from Portland originally, I've been here for 12 years, but I was still in Portland then. Um, Portland, Oregon is a small city, but it's a very liberal artsy city. So for me, 
being different wasn't like super, I didn't feel weird. Like I never felt weird in my city, but there were girls, you know, that lived in like Kansas city that were like, I want to be different, but I don't really know how. And I don't identify with anybody. It's, it's representation. It's the same as like, you know, there's a whole group of black pinups because, you know, a lot of black girls don't see themselves represented in the pinup world. And there's, you know, disabled pinups because, you know, a lot of, you know, differently abled people don't see themselves. So for me, I think it was just a representation thing. Like for me, I think it was just everybody that felt weird saw me as their like ambassador because I was doing it, but I was doing it differently because all the other girls just looked like a fashion model, but in vintage style. Mm -hmm. And you see fashion models everywhere already. So I think for me, it was just kind of being like a representation for a different group of people. I love, uh, I love that. It's like you kind of just by being true to yourself, you open the door for other people to recognize like, oh, I'm also different, but there's probably, I mean, there is, there's room for me within this arena as well. Yeah. And I think I help people like find their people. And that's the thing too, like with my classes and with my shoots, especially in these smaller cities, a lot of girls are like, I love this thing, but I don't have a community. I don't have my people in my city. And they all come to my class and they're like, oh my God, you're my people and you're my people. And I've had so many, I have a, a group of girls in Birmingham in England that still get together and have little like cherry doll face group hangouts because they all met at my class so I'm like bringing all the babes together <laughs> I awesome. love that I love that and I feel like you know especially in today's world I mean you really hit the nail on the head where you're like we see fashion models everywhere mm-hmm. you know we see the the same like societal view of what pretty is everywhere and so it's so nice to see um you know, people who look different, whether it's their hair, their tattoos, their, um, you know, their body, whatever, that they still own their own unique beauty. They own their own unique look. And they're like, this is who I am. And I am going to identify as this and anybody else who feels the same way, come and join me. I mean, I think that that's so powerful right now where as women, it is hard to not compare yourself to others. It is hard sometimes to find your people, even if you're just living a life and not trying to, um, you know, do a vintage pinup or trying to do, you know, um, a motorcycle club or, you know, whatever your thing is just being alive. It's hard to find your people as women sometimes. So I think that's really awesome that you're facilitating this space where these people who have this unique passion, they can come together with others who share that unique passion and feel a sense of unity and support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that always drew me to pin up too, is that it really is for everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, your age, your race, your weight, your, if you're tattooed or if you're not, or, um, you know, disabilities or like whatever it is, like their pin up is for everyone and everyone looks good in it. It's my favorite thing, making women over and having them look in the mirror and be like, Oh my God. And so many women are like, Oh, I could never do that. And then I show them they can. And then it's like a whole, you know, Pandora's box open to making women feel amazing and beautiful. I love that. Um, when you, okay. So how we'll start with this. How did you get into pinup exactly? Um, pinup for me, it was just kind of like a slow, natural progression I learned how to swing dance when I was in high school and it was a big craze in the 90s and I was like super punk rocker back then so I had like a mohawk and bondage belts and whatever so I would go swing dancing and be like okay I'm this isn't gonna work like I can't be doing flips in the air with a mohawk so I started dressing in vintage style just to go dancing and then I kind of felt I also have always felt that I have 
a face for vintage. I have big eyes and small lips. So I, I hold that style. Well, I don't have like a classically pretty face, but I have a good face for vintage. So then I started kind of figuring out how to do my hair and how to do my makeup to flatter myself and my features. Mm -hmm. So even when I still was like kind of in the punk rock thing, I started, I would do vintage hair and makeup. So it would be like from here down, I'd be, you know, tattoos and crazy and whatever. And then from here up, it's like, you know, super glamour puss. So it was like kind of a slow transition. And then I had definitely a phase in my early twenties where we all do, where we feel like we have to be like one thing and fit in a box. So then it was like, I have to wear vintage every day, all day. And I was like, Miss Dean Queen Rockabilly. And I thought I was really cool, which I totally wasn't, but I didn't figure that out until I got in my thirties and then realized that I can kind of mix my style. So it was like a kind of a weird progression. Gotcha. Um, at what point did you realize that it was like an empowerment thing? I mean, for me, I think it's always been an empowerment thing. I think everything I've always done has been figuring out how to empower myself. And then when the social media thing happened, it was the realization that I could help empower other people, other women, especially. I I have a small following of men. It's mostly um, gay men, trans boyfriends and husbands of women that follow me. I don't have a lot of like creepy guys that follow me for like girl content, which is really nice, but most of my following is women. So I think I realized really early on that I had some sort of power or influence. You know, the term influencer didn't come around until just a few years ago. When I first started, people were like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't even know what to call what I do. Now I say influencer and I feel like a giant turd, but, um, but it is true when you have a big following online, you have a really big influence. So I always try to make my content really real. I try to show myself, you know, of course I, I just posted a video about, you know, I, of course I use Facetune and Photoshop and all those things we use in our pictures, but I also show pictures of me with no makeup, with none of that stuff. I show my cellulite and I show my wrinkles and my pimples and all that. So I think it's important, you know, with the influence to be like a real person. And I feel like that's really empowering to show women like, yeah, I think for someone it's women, it's empowering to be beautiful and perfect all the time. But for me, it's more empowering to be real. And I think that's why I've made such not, I don't have a huge following, but I have a very loyal following. And that to me has always been more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quality over quantity for sure. And, um, I love that you, it sounds like you have a really healthy combination of, okay, yes, here is the, you know, the photo tuned and you know, all of that, the stylized pictures, but also here's the reality of, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with just like all of you, I'm going through aging. I'm going through, um, cellulite pimples, all of that kind of stuff that every single one of us are going through as well. And I think it's so important to, um, because on social media, people follow on social media because they, because of that, like, no, and trust factor. Mm-hmm. And if the, it's somebody that is like perfect all the time, you get bored with that. Nobody can relate to that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nobody can relate to that. And so well, it's nice. Oh, go ahead. Well, and the other thing too is people that are perfect all the time, people follow them because they want them to fail. Like people fall. That's why the Kardashians are famous because people are just waiting for that perfect facade to crack. They're waiting for them to say, you know, make an off-colored remark or they're waiting for, you know, an obvious Facetune picture so they can tear them down. I've been lucky in that I don't have that because the people that follow me are my champions. I don't have people following me to fail because I show my own failures. So there's no like back door to get in into my life. So I think that's the difference and that perfect facade. It's not healthy for the people watching it, but it's even more unhealthy for the people putting it out there. I can't imagine what it's like living 
as those kind of influencers, just the amount of stress and pressure, like going to the grocery store, it must be like, oh my God, if somebody, I was saying to my boyfriend yesterday when we were out shopping, you know, everyone's wearing masks here. I was like, man, this is a great time to be a celebrity because all you do is like put on some masks and goggles and you can like, Brad Pitt could be next to me and I would have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think you make such a good point that um, when you put out this image of perfection all the time that, yeah, people aren't interested in perfect. And so they're looking for either some sign of realism or some sign of failure and which essentially is realism as well, but it's like a, the negative side of the coin. Um, but I, that's like so much pressure, like you were saying. And when we coach our estheticians on, you know, their social media presence and everything like that. One of the things we talk to them about is, okay, look, you've got to show you, you can't just show pictures of, um, you know, before and afters of your clients. You can't just show cute graphics with the information written on them and everything like that. And a lot of times they're like, oh, but I'm, I'm so self-conscious because I'm not, I'm not good on camera and I don't look perfect and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but that's what people want. They want to know the real deal because again, it builds that like, know, and trust. And so just like we were saying with your following, you call them your champions. That's Mm -hmm. such an awesome way to describe them. And it shows the the support and the loyalty you feel from them, but they, they wouldn't give you that support and loyalty if they didn't feel like they like, know, and trust you. They wouldn't feel that way if you weren't real with them. Well, I think that's the other thing too, you know, when you talk about like the, the perfect facade type of influencer and people, you know, wanting to bring them down. The reason why people want to bring them down is because those kind of influencers and creators are making people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. You want to see something beautiful, but we're all human at the end of the day, the more beauty you see, the worse you feel about yourself. For me, I, my whole mission is to make everybody feel good about themselves. Like I want to take me and use that to make somebody else feel good. Like I'm not trying to make me feel good about me. I'm secure in me. I don't need social media for that. So I think that's the difference. That's why I have those champions because my goal is not to make them feel bad about themselves. Like I post a pretty picture and I have, it's so funny because you know, I get, you know, alerts pop up on my phone and I'll see a comment that's like, oh, dang, you're sexy as hell. I'm like, oh, gross. And I look, I'm like, oh, that was from a girl. That makes me feel so nice. Because I do have women and, you know, lots of straight women that are just like, dang, your boobs look amazing. Or like, you know, just like comments that would be like, you know, obviously inappropriate coming from a man, but from a woman, it's like, oh no, that's a woman trying to empower me back because they feel like I'm empowering them. So it's like such a love exchange all the time. And it's, it's like a good universe to live in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I'll come to the microphone. I think that's so important um, to to have that two-way street of empowerment like you were talking about. Because just like you were saying, if your social media is there just to be like, oh, look at me, look how wonderful I am, look how talented and gorgeous I am. Again, people will get bored with that. They're not interested in that. But when they recognize like you are providing valuable content that makes them feel wonderful about themselves, then they want to keep you feeling wonderful about yourself so that you'll continue doing what you're doing, which then feeds their souls and feeds their empowerment. So it is just this cycle of let's lift each other, lift each other, lift each other, because while lifting you, they're being lifted as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I think that's fantastic. And that's, um, I mean, I feel like there's no other way to do social media and keep it fulfilling because it can- It's soul sucking. Yes. It is. I mean, even with what I do, like I posted a video 
maybe last week. And so I posted a video on TikTok that was just a really cute, funny, weirdo video because that's what I do on TikTok. And the end of it, I you, you jump into different shoes and you're wearing a different outfit every time you jump. But the last one, the joke was there were no shoes there. So I jumped and I was like in my underwear and I was like, oh my God, and I ran off. And it was supposed to be funny. Well, I got so many comments like, yeah, baby, take the rest of it off. And just like lewd comments from men. And I don't get that often. So when I do, I'm so appalled at it. So I made a response video that was basically like, my body is mine. You can't tell me what to do with it. But I was in a bikini as the point of, yes, I'm showing you, but it's my choice to do it. Mm-hmm. And it went viral on Facebook. And it was just comment after, I mean, it was like comments about people wanting to rape me. It was like brutal, just crazy. And just the fact that like that exists on the internet and especially right now, everybody's at home on lockdown. So it's people that are, my theory on it is people that are hurting and that are not happy or things happening are happening in their life. It's their way to get power. It's the same reason, you know, rape happens not because of the sex. It's because of the power. It's the same thing. It's a way for people to feel like they have some of that power back. So I keep trying to tell myself it's, it's nothing to do with me. It's not my message. It's just people that feel powerless. And there are a lot of horrible things happening in the world where people feel powerless. So I get it, but I'm still a human. So still like having to read hundreds and hundreds of comments like that, I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm a creator that doesn't get that very often, but the internet is a, can be a really dark, horrible place. Mm-hmm. The internet is undefeated. With yeah. negativity, everything. Oh, yeah. man. And, you know, we um, we saw the video that you did with you in the bikini where you were pointing at all the different, like, yeah, your yeah. body's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I Did you see the one, the the previous one, where you were hopping into the different outfits? Like the I didn't post that on Instagram. That was on TikTok. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so we didn't have any context for it, but we were just like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I mean, you being like very strong and powerful and like, Hey, this is mine. I'll do what I want with it. If I want to show you, I'll show you. If I don't, I won't, you know? And, um, and that just, I'm so sorry. And I, I can tell you're like a very strong person and everything, but I'm so sorry that people took that message and twisted it in such a like horrible, degrading way. Um, but I think you're absolutely right is that people are in this like crazy space, not to make excuses for them, but where they do feel powerless and people are bored and people feel out of control. And that does not always bring out the most, um, empowering, innovative, creative sides of people. It brings out that really basic animalistic side of them, which is not appropriate at all. And I'm so sorry that you became a target of that. I mean, it's, it's okay. It is what it is, you know? And then I got a lot of comments. Well, don't, don't put it on the internet then, you know, which is like, yeah, part of me, like part of me knows that if I put myself out there, I'm going to get bad. But the other part of me is like, but why? Mm-hmm. Like, why should I though? So it's like this weird push pull where you know, I try to stay positive and I try to just like put myself in the shoes of the people, you know, on the other side of it. And like you were saying, it isn't an, it isn't an excuse at all, but I do think it's this weird thing, especially, I mean, there's so many things going on in the world outside of COVID-19, you know, politically and just a lot of stuff happening right now. So people are just polarized. So I think it not only brings out the worst in people, but I also think it brings out the best in people. Like I'm seeing on both spectrums of my personal life, of my, you know, social media feeds, like some like amazing, creative, artistic, beautiful things coming out of it. But then with that comes the dark and I just try to embrace the light and just kind of stay away from the bad. 
Yeah. And that's all you can do right now. I mean, unfortunately, just like, you know, Royal, you were saying the internet is everywhere. It's always in our faces. It's also undefeated. People will continue. I mean, it's almost like nothing can surprise you anymore because you never know what people are capable of, but you, you do though have the choice to, of where you focus your attention. And so you can choose to, if something pops up on your social media or on the internet or whatever, that is negative, degrading, showing how awful people are being in this time, you have the choice to swipe out of that and go to something that shows how positive and wonderful people are being at this time. Like just because there are bad things happening doesn't mean that you're obligated to dwell in that space. Mm So there are tons of opportunity to go and be empowered and... Yeah, health being healthy isn't just about your like your body; it's about what you see, also. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and I think a lot of like mental health too. You know, we talk about body health, but so much of it is also mental health because I have severe depression. So when when my depression is bad and when my mentals are bad, my body is bad too in so many ways. So it's all interconnected. But I think especially you know, people want to start their social medias whether it's for business or whether they want to be an influencer. And the thing I always tell people, I do a class on growing your brand too. And I always tell people, you know, you have to be prepared and depending on what your content is for me, I've never just wanted to be a pretty picture. I talk about social issues. I talk about civil rights. I talk about gay rights and trans rights. And I talk about the things that are important to me because I'm a human. And I see that I have almost a million people following me in the world. Why not use that voice? If I can influence, you know, some 15 year old that lives in the Midwest that might've turned out to be, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic. And they see me and go, Oh, she's cool. And I identify with her and they hear my message and go, Oh, ding. And the light goes off. I feel like that's worth it to me to keep that one follower and maybe lose the hundred, you know, other followers that don't agree with my message. But with that comes a lot of backlash and a lot of negative and a lot of hate. So that's what I always tell people that, you know, want to get into the social media world. Like you have to be ready for it. And I've done, been doing this since MySpace. So for me, I have that thick skin because I've been able to separate and I'm older. It's different too, when you're 19 and you're starting in your life and you feel like the internet has so much bearing in the world. And like, I remember the world before internet. So to me, it's not that big of a deal. Right. And I think when you are young like that and you're still kind of growing into yourself, um, you are looking for a validation from other people that you're on the right track, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for you where you're older, you've been able, like you said, go through the phases of internet before internet and everything like that. You're able to recognize like, okay, I already know who I am. I'm not using this to validate me and my worth. Um, and that's something, it's so important if you are going to get into social media and use that as a platform to grow your brand or your business or whatever, um, you have to take the emotion out of the numbers and you've got to be able to look at it as a data standpoint. I mean, we were just talking about this the other night or last night, anyway, that, um, you know, if you're, if you're posting something and yes, like sometimes we will post things that are emotional to us and important to us and everything, but you can't, um, you can't put it out there with an expectation that your following or your supporters are going to feel the same emotion that you feel about it. And you can't be angry at them if they don't respond to it the way that you want them to. It's Mm -hmm. all just a, like a process of 
getting to know what works for them, what doesn't. And that, that's not to say that everything you put out has to be for your followers. Like your social media is yours. And so you should utilize it in whatever way you want. But if you're using it specifically to grow awareness or to raise awareness for your brand or your business, like, I don't know, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, it's, you've got to look at it from a data perspective. It can't be emotional. It can't be about popularity. It has to be about, okay, is this resonating? Is this not? How can I tweak it to get my point across to be able to grow my business as opposed to, oh my gosh, nobody liked this picture. So they must not like me. That's not what it is. Yeah. Well, and for me, like I have my cherry doll face, you know, Instagram, but then I also have my skin by Cherokee. And those two pages have very different content. Like my cherry doll face is like, people know me as a human, as you know, my beliefs and my thoughts and, you know, my face and my body, my image, Sherry Dollface, but Skin by a Cherokee, that's my business. So no, I'm not going to post stuff about my body on, you know, like it, it's just very different content. And I'm going to post more of like my personal thoughts and personal quizzes and like that kind of stuff on my Cherry Dollface page because yeah, I'm a brand, but Cherry Dollface started as a human. Like I was always a human on that page, but Skin by Cherokee is my business. So I think that's important too, to differentiate between what you're doing on social media. Are you a person? Are you an influencer? Are you a brand? And what is that brand versus are you a business? And if you're a business, you know, people don't want to see on a business page stuff about, you know, I don't know, like super ultra political or super ultra, like my feelings got hurt today. Let me tell you all about it. Like, it's not what that's for. Right. And I think that's so important to remember. And that's why, you know, we encourage people if they're trying to use their personal Instagram or Facebook as their business one, we encourage them to separate it because you're attracting a completely different audience and it can be confusing if you're trying to get your clients onto your personal one and on your personal page, you're like you were saying, venting about, I had this horrible experience at the supermarket today. Let me tell you about how my feelings were hurt. You know, like 87 pictures of your kids. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Your clients are kind of like, okay, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I want to learn about skincare tips and tricks and, you know, things like that. Um, So it's important to recognize the purpose. And if you need more than one Instagram account, get another social media account. I have four. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We I have, have you know, I have a vintage shop. I have a modern shop. I have my skincare page. I have cherry doll face. So yep. and it all has to be separate because people are coming to each one of those pages for stuff. Like nobody wants to see a vintage dress on a skincare page. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's not that the vintage shop isn't valuable. It's just mm-hmm. that it's a different audience. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to separate that. Um, and I also think that it's important, um, to touch on what you were saying with like having your strong political views, um, social rights views, everything like that within your, your personal Instagram, um, your personal brand, like, yes, that is totally allowed because like you were saying, that's because it represents an individual, like a human, but within your business, Um, your clients probably aren't swiping through social media. Like I really need to get my lashes done. Let me find the most liberal artsy (laughs) artist out there. And I'm only going to go to her if she shares my political views. No, she's looking for somebody who is going to do like a really great job. And then it'll be icing on the cake if she also happens to share your political views. Right. Um, so don't, don't use like 
your personal beliefs and your personal views as a way to get attract clients to you. No, that's not, they're not there for you. They're there for them and how it's going to benefit them. So talk about what they want to hear. They want to hear about the services. They want to hear about how they're going to be benefited with the results of coming to you, your products, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, kind of filter what, That's what I think about. stories were made for, honestly. Like, even if you are a business and you want to share something, because, you know, there are, like, really important issues happening where maybe you want to use your business or your platform to put them out there. Put them in your stories. Like, they're still going to get out there. People are still going to see them. But then also don't do 87 stories about the presidential election or... And I think it's just, like, it's like anything. It's just balance. But, yeah, I, I just... I don't think that there's space in a feed for just constant personal stuff, whether it's personal views or family, or like, you'll never see a picture of me and my boyfriend on my skin page because why nobody cares about him on that page, but on my cherry doll face page, everyone wants to see us kissing and being in love. And so there's time and place. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you just, it's what you said, just have balance and ask yourself, like, who is my ideal audience? Who is my ideal client for this page? And what did they want to see? Because if your ideal client is looking for, you know, help with their anti-aging skin, they're probably not going to care to see a bunch of pictures of your dog. Like mm-hmm. it's just not, but again, put it on your stories because you're, yeah, and they see you as a human and then they go, Oh, she has a dog. I love dogs. And then they feel connected and right. There you go. <laughs> you're not posting your dog front and center as a way to like attract people in because until they know you, they don't care that you have a dog. They just don't. Even if they are dog people, they're like, that's nice. Nobody's dog is as cute as mine. Keep swiping, right? Okay, so let's ask. You have four Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. How do you manage all of them? Because it can be overwhelming with one. <laughs> yeah, people all... I get asked all the time if I have like, do you have an assistant? Do you have an agent? Do you have somebody that answers your emails? I'm like, no, I'm just crazy. Um, I am one of those people that literally has to be doing eight things at a time where I get bored and fall asleep. My therapist always jokes that like, I just, my brain has to be constantly moving mm-hmm. and my boyfriend like makes fun of me all the time. I fall asleep literally in like 20 seconds. Like the second my eyes are closed and the lights are out, I fall asleep because as soon as my brain is bored, I'm sleeping. So because of that, I have to keep going and I have a heart condition and I take, I have really low blood pressure. So I'm like, if I'm not moving, I am just a sleepy person. So because of that, I'm like always on my computer, always on my phone, always like I have a show on and I'm painting my nails and I'm taking pictures of vintage clothes and I'm doing stuff all the time. So I've never really found it difficult to stay on top of it because of my personality and my sort of my work flow, my work habits, mm-hmm. but it does get overwhelming because I don't take enough time for days off. My, uh, this camping trip I'm doing in a few days is my first two days off in 10 weeks since I've been in lockdown because I'm home. And when I'm home, there's always work to do. I can't just not do anything. So with social media, I prioritize. So with my four, and I also have Facebooks and TikTok and whatever. I have all the, all the things. So I, so I prioritize my cherry doll face because that's where I have the biggest following. Um, and people are more, most loyal. They want to see daily content. So I'm making content for that page every single day. My skin page, I'm kind of trying to pull over my following from my cherry doll face page, but I'm trying to target it towards people, obviously in my city, because nobody from London, England is going to come get a facial from me in Los Angeles, California. So trying to target 
people and drive traffic to my skin page, but I don't post daily. I post every other day on my skin page. And I try on my doll face page. I don't pay attention to what my feed looks like. I just post what I want, but on my skin page, I try to make it like, like a grid. So it's really pleasing to the eye so that I'm bringing in new followers, but it's hard because I'm not actually doing facials. So I'm just trying to make content that has to do with skin. And the good thing is I do because I have all the old before and afters from, you know, makeovers that I've done. I have content there. Um, then my shop page. So I have a modern shop and then I have a vintage shop. Those pages I post once a week and I just do nine items for sale every week. Okay. So those are my, and I do them on different days. So I just kind of try to stagger what I'm doing. So it's not like every page gets a post every day. What I focus more on is engagement. So I focus more on liking everything that's left on my page, commenting back to everything, answering messages, because that's what drives the algorithm. So even if I post once a week on my skincare page, if I'm high on that algorithm, when I post, it's going to be at the top of everybody's feed. So if you post seven things that are at the bottom versus one thing that's at the top, that one thing's going to be more valuable than those seven things. So mm -hmm. I just try to like really focus on like keeping my algorithm strong and, and engaging with people and see, having people see me as a human. Like they ask a skincare question and I'm going to answer it. And then they're like, oh, great. If I have a question now, she's my go-to. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's so smart that you have kind of a like system in place where you, rather than allowing yourself to be overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I have to post on every single one of these pages every single day. Um, I love systems. I mean, we're all about policies, yes. boundaries, protocols, everything. So mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of that for sure. <laughs> my um, whole life is in Excel. Like I have an Excel spreadsheet for every part of my life and it's all like formulaed and like, <laughs> like I have, I have a life algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Let's stay organized, structured, effective. Yes. I'm organization. organization is number one, just staying organized. Everything, everything I do every day is in my phone calendar organized by like what's the most important. I mean, organization is, is key to everything. Like you can have, you can be the best esthetician. You can have, you know, the prettiest content. Like if you're not organized, well, that's just business though. Organization. No, seriously, because if you're not organized, then you're not focusing on your attention, you know, on priorities and what is actually effective because a lot of times we think, okay, I just have to be busy. Like entrepreneurs are busy. Well, not necessarily. They're focusing their time on effective things. Exactly. Yeah. On things that are going to propel their business forward. And so you have it figured out. You're like, okay, um, it's better for me to post one quality piece of content as I'm keeping my algorithm high and everything, then for me to just be like mindlessly making a whole slew of things and posting it on there willy nilly, like, no, let's be effective. Let's have a system in place. Um, because being an entrepreneur and running successful businesses requires a lot of time, a lot of effort. And if you're just throwing your time at all kinds of like meaningless little tasks because you think you need to be busy. I mean, that's not getting the job done. So it's very important to look at everything and say, okay, how can I work smarter, not harder? How can I be as effective as possible so that then I can manage all of these things, but help my business grow at the same time? Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Soapboxing because <laughs> it just drives me nuts. Oh, 
and you know, you listeners, you probably heard me talk about this before. Drives me nuts when we talk to estheticians. We're like, okay, so what have you been doing during this quarantine to help your business grow? Well, I've been watching a whole bunch of skincare <laughs> webinars. Okay, that's great. But what have you been doing to help your business grow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, it's balance. I've watched a ton of skincare webinars too. I've also watched a lot of webinars on how to grow your business and that kind of stuff. But you have to still, you have to still keep yourself in front of your clients. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be in front of your clients face to face. So social media right now is the only way or a mailing list or something that keeps them fresh so that when everything opens, they're like, Oh yeah, Cherokee, I got to go see her. Otherwise, like they don't know I'm watching webinars. Right. Right. Exactly. That's the thing. You can have the most product knowledge in the entire world, but if you, um, don't have clients, if you're not growing your business and getting people in your door and getting people to stay, then it doesn't matter. So let's also have the knowledge, but let's make effective choices with our time so that we can grow our businesses and make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yes. Huge fan. I love it. Okay. Cherokee, you're amazing. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Um, at the end of every episode, we'd like to ask our guests. Can I say it? You you never let me say it. You got it, baby. We like to know (laughs) what boundaries, balance, health, and safety mean to you. Can you answer those for us? Boundaries, balance, health, and safety. You want me to answer them individually or as a whole? It could either or. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one by one. So balance would be just like we were talking about. Just well, what I was talking about before is balance for your mental health. That's my number one is balancing for myself because I am a workhorse. So I have to. That's something I'm still working with is learning balance between personal life and work life. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries. I think being an esthetician, especially, is boundaries between yourself and your clients because you know you give them an inch and they're going to want to take a mile. Um, especially right now with how everything is changing in PPE and distancing and all of that, like making sure that there's boundaries between you and clients just for safety and for health reasons. Um, what's the third one? <laughs> health and safety. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Health and safety. So that ties into that. I think right now the world is changing. So health and safety is such, I mean, there's always health and safety as an esthetician just because we have to stay clean and, um, that's always been a thing anyways, but now it's extra. And not only keeping ourselves healthy and safe, but keeping our clients healthy and safe too. That's such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, health and safety are the last two, right? Yeah. Done. You got it. I'm a talker. I'm sorry. If you let me go, I will just talk all day. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, okay, Cherokee, thank you so thank much. You. I love, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, especially now with how things are changing with the... Uh, you know, the industry being affected by COVID-19 and everything. I mean, we have to be so much stronger in our boundaries because we can't risk getting sick. You get a client sick, that's going to cause all kinds of problems for you. Hmm. If a client gets you sick, that causes a whole different slew of problems where now you can't work. You've already gone all these months without working. And so you don't want to have to take another two or three weeks off Um, after everything we've just gone through. So you have to be so firm. If a client is complaining, oh, well, I, okay, yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of a sore throat, but I still want to come in. No, the answer is no, you can't come in. I'm sorry. I miss you. Yes, but I'll see you in two weeks. You know, got to be firm. Yeah, I can't wait till you start doing skin. I know. It's gonna I'm be excited awesome. to see that. <laughs> well, I can't wait either. I wish it would come sooner. <laughs> It'd be yeah, awesome. That's the thing too, is just like gentle love, like, or firm love, like, you know, and clients respect that. 
Like if you, if you phrase it as I'm looking out for you and hope you look out for me in return, like it's just a respect thing. And I've always had that with even doing hair and makeup clients, you know, it's the same thing. Like if somebody is sick or just doesn't have good boundaries, like you got to get people back in their lane. Exactly. And that is what, um, professionals do like people who are serious about their business. Sometimes that like small business mentality is what p- causes people to allow their boundaries to get crossed and allow yeah, their want to be everybody's to- friend. Like my clients are my friends too. It's like, yeah, but they're your clients. But they're your clients. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so you need to remind yourself and sometimes your clients like, Hey, this is a business. I'm operating it like a professional. My policies say you can't come in if you're sick. My policies say you can't get a pill if you just had sun exposure. My policies say if you are going to get this treatment, you have to be using this home care. Um, And stick to that. Because again, like you said, it's a respect thing. It shows your clients that you respect your time, your um, skills as a licensed professional, you respect your business, and then they'll be encouraged to do the same as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, my dear, where can people find more of you? One thing before I tell people that, I just want to tell Royal to wear sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> Don't crack. No. Leave me alone. Don't be all. Listen to her. <laughs> okay, I had to throw that in. Sorry. I've been, I've been <laughs> black for 26 years and I've been looking good. You know what? I've been black for 260 more years. Yeah. So yeah. please wear your sunscreen. Gosh, <laughs> see, it's not just me telling you. No, it's not. The world is totally oh, brown skin derm, and she will tell you. <laughs> yes. Right, man. I guess since I'm a Fitzpatrick five, I gotta do better. <laughs> <Right>. Thank you. <laughs> okay, where people can find me? Well, you can find me all over the internet if you Google my name. But um, Ooh, I am Google. such. Go ahead, Google me. Actually, don't Google me. There's a lot of embarrassing old pictures on the internet. Um, so I'm the Cherry Dollface on all social media: so YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think I'm Cherry Dot Dollface on TikTok because some stupid jerk took my name before I got to it. Sing it. Uh, and then my skincare page is Skin by Cherokee on Instagram. Cherry Dollf, uh, yeah, Cherry Dollface Vintage and Cherry Dollface Shop are where they can find my wares that I tell. So oh. I'm everywhere. You can't escape me. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So we will link all of these social media names and everything into the description. <laughs> it's going to be a long episode notes, but um, but we'll link it all in there so that you can follow Cherokee and get your vintage empowered inspo vibes on. Yeah. And Cherry, just thank you so much again for being here with us. We thank totally you. appreciate you. Having me. Of course. All right. We'll see you. Bye.